Hello, I'm Father Luke Goymore and welcome to I Believe, a series of catechetical reflections on the Apostles' Creed. Since the 4th century, Christians have summed up their belief in a series of statements of faith called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is used by Christians throughout the world in both private recitation and in the liturgy of the Church. In this series, we have taken a moment to pause and reflect on the significance of this great prayer and a universal statement of belief. In today's final episode, we reflect on the statement, I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. So we conclude the Apostles' Creed with this two-part related statement, I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Now, to say that we believe in the resurrection of the body is an important statement that I think is often overlooked. When we talk about what was traditionally referred to as the last things, it's easy to talk in vast platitudes and make generalisations which can come off as a bit pie in the sky. In many ways, I think death seems to be one of the, the last taboos of our modern world. People on the whole are very uncomfortable talking about death and use all kinds of euphemisms instead of saying that someone has simply died. People talk of someone having passed away or gone into another room or gone home or fallen asleep. Some of these are better and more appropriate than others and all are of course understandable. But for the Christian, none of these terms really quite hit the mark. For as Christians, as Catholics, we believe not in some vague hope of future glory, nor do we believe in some kind of spiritual wonderland where we float around like ghosts playing with angels. No, we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And this statement gives some very definite shape to our faith. Now, firstly, I think it's important to state that belief in the resurrection is essential for Christian faith. It's, it's not some optional extra. We can't do without it. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, 989, explains, We firmly believe, and hence we hope, that just as Christ is truly risen from the dead and lives forever, so after death the righteous will live forever with the risen Christ, and he will raise them up on the last day. Our resurrection, like his own, will be the work of the Most Holy Trinity. And, paragraph 991 continues, Belief in the resurrection of the dead has been an essential element of the Christian faith from its beginnings. Now, quoting the Church Father Tertullian, the Catechism goes on to say that the confidence of Christians is the resurrection of the dead. Believing this, we live. Our belief in the resurrection is based on the foundational belief in Christ's own resurrection. Christ is risen from the dead. Without this belief, our faith is in vain. It's a waste of time. As St Paul writes, How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. But in fact, 
Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through to 14. We believe then that Jesus Christ truly died and was truly resurrected in the body. It wasn't just some kind of spiritual resurrection or metaphor. No, his resurrection was indeed a bodily resurrection. He was the same Christ, and yet he was new and different at the same time. He had a physicality that was both recognisable and unrecognisable, so much that his close friends and disciples struggled to recognise him immediately after his resurrection. He was able to eat, talk, touch and interact with his disciples just as before, but he was also very different. Jesus would pass through walls and appear at will. Not like a ghost, though. The Gospels make that very clear. No, Jesus' resurrection was completely unlike anything else that could be imagined or talked of, as if the Gospel writers didn't really have a reference point for what they were saying. There wasn't any real frame of reference for this new life that could be seen in Jesus Christ. Now, Christ's resurrection is both the source and touchstone of what we can believe and say about our own resurrection. As the Catechism 995 says, encounters with the risen Christ characterise the Christian hope of resurrection. We shall rise like Christ, with him and through him. To believe in the resurrection of the body then means that we believe that we will have a resurrection that will look something like Christ's resurrection. In other words, it's not just some um, spiritual self that lives on after death. No, rather we will be res resurrected with a new body that will be at once totally us and totally new. This physicality is not the same as our physical world. It is not limited and governed in the same way by the laws of physics. The fact that Jesus can appear and disappear at will is testament to that. But, and this is important, it is a body. And taking our cue from Jesus' resurrection, we can say that it can be touched. It can touch others and interact with um, a physical universe. To unpack this a, a little bit more, I think it's worth just going over what we know about what happens at death. Now, in previous episodes, we have explored um, the teaching and ideas behind judgment and purgatory, heaven and hell. But now let us remind ourselves about what we believe happens immediately at death. So at death, the human body separates from the soul and begins to decay. The soul, on the other hand, makes its journey towards God, whilst it awaits the moment when God will reunite it with its ridden, risen even, and glorified body. As the Catechism 997 notes, God, in his almighty power, will definitively grant incorruptible life to our bodies by reuniting them with our souls through the power of Jesus' resurrection. The important thing here is not to get too hung up on ideas of time and mechanics. Yes, 
there will be a judgment. Yes, the journey to God for many of us will include purgatory, but how this plays out precisely, we cannot say, we do not know. With the eternal mysteries of God, we can only say so much, we can only go so far, we can know what has been revealed through scripture and through tradition, and we can be confident about certain things, but at the end of the day, all we can ultimately do is grasp, as it were, a few grains of sands from the beach of eternal truth. To grasp these grains of sand is enough. They are true. They are what we can hold uh, on to. Uh, but humbly, we must remember that God's truth and eternity is so much more and so beyond anything that we can fully grasp in this lifetime. So, after death, all uh, will rise. All those who have learned to love and have done good will be resurrected to new life, and those who have chosen evil will face divine judgment. Now we rise because Christ was risen and all are alive in him. And insofar as we are united to Christ now, we should be confident that we shall be united to him in his resurrection. Precisely how this resurrection will come about exceeds our imagination and our understanding. It is a mystery of faith that is accessible only through faith. Yet our sharing in the Eucharist already gives us a, a divine preview of this heavenly reality, as Saint Irenaeus puts it. Just as bread that comes from the earth, after God's blessing has been invoked upon it, is no longer ordinary bread, but Eucharist, formed of two things, the one earthly and the other heavenly, so too our bodies, which partake of the Eucharist, are no longer corruptible, but possess the hope of resurrection. Christ will raise us up on the last day. That is a beautiful truth. That is the article of faith. But it also is true that to be a Christian means that we have the risen Christ living in us now by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of the body then will be a completion of what began in us at baptism. In baptism we died with Christ and rose with him and this will be realised most fully in the resurrection of the body. The liturgy of the church helps us to see this connection. At a, a funeral liturgy, we'll see holy water and a, a paschal candle as signs and reminders of baptism. Often the coffin is also covered with a white pall, similar to the white garment that was placed around us at baptism. In a sense, the funeral liturgy completes in this life what was begun at baptism. In the funeral liturgy, we pray for the soul who, through the waters of baptism, was united to Christ in a death like his, so that he or she will now share in the glory of his resurrection. And we pray for the person as they make their journey to God, conscious that for many uh, people that will be through purgatory. But we do it in the sure and certain hope that at the appointed time God will give a resurrected body to the person. A resurrected body is, I think, hard to get our heads around, but we shouldn't be too disturbed about this. The important thing to remember is that this everlasting life, 
In other words, a life with God is a life which has no end. We will still be us. It's not as if we're absorbed into God and lose our identities and our freedom. No, uh, it will be us and will still be us, but in a radically different and new way. Eternal life with God will be far more real and, in a sense, far more physical than anything we have experienced on this earth. I'm reminded of um, C.S. Lewis's novella, The Great Divorce. In it, he tells of a day trip that um, some people make in a kind of mystical bus from hell to heaven. Now, when the protagonist steps off the bus, um, the grass in heaven cuts into his bare feet and the sky is so blue, so bright, that he cannot bear to even look at it. You see, the reality of heaven is just too much for him, too physical for him. Lewis depicts the folks from hell as ghosts and the folks from heaven as solid beings, pure spirits. Lewis writes, heaven is reality itself. All that is fully real is heavenly. And I think this is a good image for us. Heaven and eternal life is reality, full reality. What we experience now is but a pale shadow of the full reality of the new heaven and the new earth, and our unresurrected bodies bear only a resemblance to what our resurrected bodies will be in eternity. When we profess in the creed, that we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting, we are making a profoundly hopeful statement which cuts to the core of our Christian faith. In a sense, it sums up all of what we previously stated in the Creed, and to conclude in this way, our hope of resurrection and eternal life rests on our belief in God who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It rests on our faith in Christ, true God and true man, who really did suffer and die for our sins and was raised to new life. We have hope for eternal life because Jesus promises it. In fact, he promises that he is the resurrection and the life and that anyone who comes to him will not perish, but will have eternal life. He promises that he will raise us up on the last day. We believe in eternal life because Jesus promises it and the creed enunciates what that promise looks like. A physical resurrection with a new body like Jesus's, which will live forever. Thank you for listening to I Believe. I hope you've enjoyed this series. May God bless you and confirm you in your faith. Amen.